Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' worthy name this morning. So this morning for our council meeting message, I would like to invite you to turn to John chapter 21. John 21, and I would like to just read the majority of this passage. Um, we're only going to be looking at a few verses, but I see value in looking at the entire passage uh, to help us to get a context. So we'll start reading John 21 at verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together... There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore the Peter whom excuse me, therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto himself, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were, two hundred cubits, dragging in the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. We'll stop reading there. So, like I said, I just want us to get the context of this account. 
uh, says that this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. And I'm not sure exactly where this fits into the timeline of Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. But, so Jesus arose that first Easter Sunday and appeared to his disciples. And then a week later, we know that they were together. Thomas was with them. He had doubted originally. And so a week later, Jesus appeared again. And so we don't know where this happened. I assume that this was after that because it says it was the third time. So I'm guessing it was at least a week and a half, two weeks, maybe three weeks since the resurrection. I don't know if you ever thought about what the disciples would have been experiencing, what they would have been thinking about during that time period after the resurrection, before the ascension, and before the coming of the Holy Spirit. But I think it was a time when they would have been filled with a lot of, of emotions, a lot of uncertainty, uh, just maybe, maybe a lot of confusion even the disciples were probably trying to figure out what, wh where, where to from here. What does the future hold? What's the new normal? See, they had went from being common men to being disciples for three years following around the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth. And all of a sudden he was dead. And now he's alive, but he just kind of pops in and out occasionally, unexpectedly. And, and I think that they were struggling to know what the new normal was going to be. In the middle of all that, we have Peter saying, I'm going fishing. And you know, I thought about that. And I think that was a natural reaction. When times are uncertain, when times are stressful, we often gravitate towards what is familiar or what is comforting. Y'all have heard the term comfort foods. When we're stressed out, we go towards comfort foods. It's what makes us comfortable, what makes us feel satisfied in some way. So fishing for Peter was not just a hobby or a sport, but up to three years ago, it had been his livelihood. His, what he did. And so Peter had probably spent a lot of days and probably a lot of nights out on the water. It was an environment that he was familiar with. And it probably was very comforting for him to turn back and get on that boat and say, let's go out in the lake and go fishing. Because I believe, as I said, that the disciples were probably envisioning Jesus setting up some type of an earthly kingdom, enacting some type of a deliverance from the Roman people, and setting in place a, a golden age of the Jewish people that they believed that the Messiah was bringing to them. And now everything had been turned upside down, 
And the future was not so clear. And so Peter says, let's go do something we know how to do. Let's go fishing. So we see that Peter and six others of their group went out fishing. Apparently they went out at night or in the evening and fished all night without catching anything. Now they weren't doing like we do when we go fishing and fishing with a pole and a line. But they were casting some type of a net. And so we need to understand that this was probably not just a pleasure trip out on the lake. It was probably somewhat more like work. And so here we, we, we see them out on the lake, having fished all night without success. And I'm guessing that they were probably somewhat discouraged. It's discouraging to me if I go fishing and don't catch anything for an hour. Think if they worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But why didn't they catch anything? I think that Jesus, the master of the sea, had prevented them so that he had this teachable moment with them, a way of exposing himself to them. And so there they look as it's getting light and they see this man on the shore and was about 300, uh, let me be sure I'm telling you right. Now I can't lay my eyes on it. When I, yeah, I know it's in verse 8, and I'm having trouble finding it. Okay, about 100 yards, my, the NIV says, so about 300 feet. So they were fairly close to shore. And they could see this man, but they couldn't see who it was. And he hollers out to him, do you have any meat? Do you have, any, have you caught any fish? And they said, no. And he says, cast your net on the other side. And they do. And immediately, they have caught more than the net can almost hold. And that's when it says the disciple that Jesus loved, which we know is the Apostle John, he realized a miracle has happened. This is, is Jesus on the shore. And so they went to shore, Peter a little more rapidly than the rest of them. And they found Jesus prepared to serve them, prepared to, to supply them with food. And I don't understand for sure why Jesus presented himself to them in this way and at this time. But it makes a really nice story. But I want us to, and, and I've and I've read and, and kind of retold that story to, to set a groundwork for what happened next. And I believe that what happened next is, is why Jesus appeared when he did and how he did. Because we see that after that they had eaten, Jesus took an opportunity to talk specifically to Peter. And I'd never thought about this before, but different commentators feel like that this was uh, Jesus 
trying to reinstate and reassure Peter after his uh, denial that he knew Jesus before the crucifixion. And it was interesting as I read a little bit about that, I hadn't processed all of this before, but just as Peter had denied his Lord three times, his Lord came to him three times saying, do you love me? This passage has always been a little bit of a challenge to me in reading it. You know, why did Jesus say three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, yes, yes, yes. Now, a lot of times when you have a passage that isn't, you know, isn't making sense the way we would talk, it's good to go back and look at the original Greek meanings of the words, look at the original language. And this is one of those very interesting passages to do that. And I'm not going to delve too deeply into that this morning. But it sheds so much light on what Jesus was saying and what Peter was saying. And it's interesting that the first two times that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus was using, see in, in the Greek there's, John can probably straighten me out if I say this wrong, but I think there's is it seven different words for love. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of different words. So when we say we love something, I can say I love my wife. I can say that I love you all, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I can say that I love to eat pizza. Uh, and... And we use the same word to describe love for things on a different level. The Greeks had individual words for all of these, these different types of love. So it's interesting that the first two times that Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He used the Greek word agapeo, which has the meaning of Embracing God's will, a love of choice, choosing God's way. You know, do you love me? Are you choosing my way? It speaks of a discriminating affection, which involves choice and selection. So, see, it's it's an active. Uh, it's an active choice to choose to love. It's the type of love that God has for us. So that's what Jesus was asking Peter. So what did Peter say in return when he said, yes, you know that I love you? Interestingly, Peter's word that he used for love was filio, which has the idea of to be a friend, to be fond of someone have an affection, a personal attachment, more of a sentimental feeling, you know, the, the, the feeling of fondness towards someone. 
It's the type of love I would have for someone who's my best friend. I just really enjoy being with them. The difference between these two words, one commentator said, is that the word agapeo, that love is of the head. And filio is a love of the heart. So I want us to think about that because I believe that Jesus was asking Peter, do you choose, do you make a, are you making a conscious choice to love me? To choose to do what I command? To accept what I have in store for you? Because see, he later, verses we didn't read, he talked about the future for Peter and that Peter was going to have to face some difficult things. Are you choosing to go where I lead? But Peter, in response, was saying, Yes, Lord, you know that I really like and appreciate you. Do you see the difference? Peter, are you, are you choosing me, no matter the cost? And Peter said, I enjoy being with you. It seems that Jesus was searching for a commitment from Peter that he would choose love, that he would choose dedication to Christ. A dedication and commitment that would keep him true to Jesus no matter what came, that would keep him from being led astray. And Peter, it seemed, wasn't quite ready to make that commitment only acknowledging his friendship. See, there's a vast difference between those two loves. Because the love that Peter was described was using, that, that love is emotional. It's an affection that we have because of what we get in return. I enjoy being with a good friend because of what I'm getting in return. When they quit giving me what I like, I will probably gravitate towards a different friend. The other love is a love of choice that I will love no matter what happens, no matter what comes. It's not because of what I get in return necessarily. See, our emotions are very fickle. That's why when you were a child growing up, or as we observe our children, their best friend might not be their best friend a year later. Because those friendships are based on feelings. And if we're like Peter and our love for the Lord is based on emotion, it's based on how we feel towards him, how we feel about him, what we feel like we're getting in return for serving him, our love is not going to, for him is not going to be very firm. It's not going to be near as firm as a love that's based on a conscious choice and decision to embrace and obey him no matter what comes, no matter the cost. So then we go on in this account. So Jesus 
twice said, do you love me? Do you, do you make a choice to love me? And the third time, Jesus said, do you love, lovest thou me? Jesus used the word filio. Rather than saying, Peter, have you made a choice to love me and follow me? Jesus said, Peter, do do you have affection for me? Do you have appreciation for me? And when it says that Peter was grieved, I have to think that Peter realized immediately the difference in what Jesus was asking. And I have to believe that Peter realized that he wasn't giving the Lord what he was at, the Lord was asking him for. But Peter still replied that he filio loved the Lord. But as we look at the rest of Peter's life, we see that Peter did truly come to the point of having that agapeo love for his Lord. And I believe that this was a time that Jesus was using to call Peter and to make Peter aware that his love and his dedication to the Lord was shallow. And he was calling Peter to a deeper commitment. And Peter did. He gave himself to the Lord, to the work of the church, and in the end he faced a martyr's death, maybe the ultimate test of his loyalty to his Lord. So think of the difference between Peter's martyr death and him sitting around that fireside at Jesus' trial and saying, no, I don't know the man. What changed? I believe that it was his level of love, his level of commitment that that made all the difference. See, when his love was simply based on a friendship and an emotional level, he did what was convenient for the moment and said, no, don't know him. Don't know what you're talking about. But when his love became a love that was a love of commitment, and a love of choice, he went willingly to his death as a martyr for his Lord. Now, I want to go back to Jesus' first question to Peter. Note that he didn't say, just lovest thou me. He said something else. He said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And what we don't know for sure in Jesus' question is who or what the these was that he is referring to. There are some commentators that think that Jesus was referring to the other disciples, that he was saying, Peter, do you love me more than these other men love me? Maybe so. But personally, what I think he was asking, and some other commentators think this as well, I think that he was asking him something else. I think that the things, these things he was referring to, 
I think Jesus was referring to the boat, the nets, the camaraderie of good fishing partners, the thrill of the catch, the money made selling the catch, the wonder of just simply being out in nature, out on the water all night, seeing the the, the marvels of the creation. See, those things aren't wrong. They aren't wrong things. They're, they can be really good things. But notice, Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me more than these things? And he was asking him if he had agapeo love, a love that caused him to choose a life of submission to the Lordship of Christ. A, a choice that would put Christ and His work above all else that was precious and near and dear to Him. I suspect that some of you men at least can identify with this. We men especially maybe find ourselves wrapping our identities up in our work, what we do. I've spent a lot of days out in the field running earth-moving equipment. And I still find myself gravitating, in a sense, back to those days that there, there lies some of my identity. It's something I can talk about. I can relate to. I can tell stories about things that happened. And that's, I think, where Peter was. He was a fisherman. He had some good stories he could tell you about the storms that came up suddenly and the days that they had the big catch or the day that everything went wrong. And Jesus was saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? Are you willing to give up all of these things for me, for my kingdom, to identify with me rather than identifying as a, as a fisherman. But Peter said, yeah, you know I love you. I'm your friend. The words of Scripture were not written just for us to look at. They're written for us to read and to be challenged by. And so I want all, each of us this morning, as we consider ourselves, especially here at our council meeting, I want us to each consider that question that Jesus asked Peter. And to put our name in that question. Jonathan, lovest thou me more than these? And I want you to each insert your name in that question. Because I believe that just as Peter, excuse me, just as P Jesus longed for Peter to have that agapeo love for him, that love of commitment and dedication and love, a love that would draw, drive him to sacrifice for his Lord. That's what Jesus longs for in your life and in mine. Jesus wants us to each answer that question with it. Yes, Lord, I choose to love you with a love that dedicates 
my life to you completely. He desired Peter's full commitment and he desires ours as well today. I'd like to turn to just a couple other references. I invite you to Luke 16. Verse, Luke 16, verses 13 through 15. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who are covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed amongst men is an abomination in the sight of God. So we turn to these verses, specifically verse 13, and we say that Jesus was teaching about money and material things, which is what mammon is. It's it's material things, specifically uh, wealth. But I want to challenge your thinking. Jesus wasn't speaking about mammon. He was speaking about love. He's pointing out that we either choose to love things or we choose to love God. We love one or the other, not both. And I think that this was the root of the question that Jesus was asking Peter. Lovest thou me more than these, more than this mammon, more than this livelihood, more than the thrill you get from from this, more than the identity that you draw from your, your, your livelihood. And we see here in Luke, as we look at the next verses in verse 14, it says, the Pharisees who were covetous or who loved money derided him. And that word derided actually means that they sneered at him. You ever have somebody sneer at you? It it is a look of contempt. You don't know what you're talking about. You're foolish, is what that look would say. They looked on, and in their love for material things, they probably thought, he's crazy. We love God, and we love our money too, and it's just fine that way. They probably thought that they were being successful at what they were doing. But what the difference was and what they thought and what Jesus said was a matter of perspective. It's a matter of misunderstanding of values. Because Jesus said that what we don't understand is that from our earthly perspective, these things have much value. But in God's perspective, they don't. See, our vision is clouded by the here and now, by the needs of this life, the emotions of this life. So Jesus is saying that we need to refocus our vision. We need to refocus our vision to align with with what God values so that we can love Him more than these. I'd like to turn to Matthew 10.
Matthew 10, verse 37. Jesus said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So here Jesus says that it's not just money and possessions. It's even people. It's even your own family. That if you if you love these people more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. If you have affection for your mother or father or your son or daughter that influences your life more than the choice to love and serve Christ, he says, you're not worthy of me. The parallel passage of, of these verses in, in Luke 14, verse 26, says that you cannot be his disciple. It doesn't say it's difficult or it might cause you to struggle. It says you cannot. That should be sobering. Because discipleship to the Lord has to hold the supreme spot in our lives. Everything else must be subservient. So then back to John 21. In response to Peter's answers, Jesus gave Peter a task. He said, feed my lambs. And then twice he says, feed my sheep. There's some nuances there in the uh, original language that we could talk about as well, but I didn't want to delve into that this morning. I just want us to consider that along with seeking for Peter's complete dedication and love to him, Jesus was asking Peter to work in his kingdom. And yes, Peter was a man who God specifically called to a role of leadership within the early church. But I believe that we're all called in some way to help in the job of feeding the lambs and the sheep of God's flock. We all have differing abilities, but we're all called to use the abilities that we have in the church. We can see that if you look at the passages in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, it lists things that God gives to the different members of the church. And why does he do that? Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 says he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We're given gifts so that we can build up the church. Bringing it to perfection 
bringing the body of Christ to unity, bringing it into his likeness, bringing it to a point of stability in the face of those who would deceive and lead astray. So Christ doesn't just want a friendship love. He wants a love that's dedicated to him. It's a choice. It's a choice that will hold us firm and a choice that makes us willing to serve and to build up his kingdom. So I ask today, where is your love for the Lord? Do you have that? Do you have a filial love and a love of affection and friendship based on feelings? Or do you have an agapeo love? A love that's based upon choice. A love that brings dedication to Him. A love that supersedes all other things in this life. Do you love Him more than these? These things. The more that you love, the more that you are love with that type of a love, the more it will affect your obedience to Him and your usefulness within His kingdom. And the more it will make you able to build up His church and to bring it to unity and to bring stability in this unstable and uncertain world that we live in. How often are we guilty of saying that we love Him but then our life reflects that we're living for self. Our life reflects that we're living for our own agenda. Our life reflects that our Christian life is just a sideline to what's really important to us. We proclaim our love, but yet we find ourselves struggling to submit to His commandments struggling to submit to his church. We say that we love him, but then we neglect to do what we are able to do within his church and within his kingdom. We say that we love him, but we neglect the fellowship of the church in preference to doing other things that are more fun, we might think. And I hope that isn't where any of us are this morning, but as I thought and reflected upon my own life, I have to admit, those types of things, those actual things, they have been a reality in my life. True love for the Lord is a choice, a choice to do things His way, to be at His call, to build His kingdom, to work in His church. So we looked this morning at that probing question, do you love me more than these? And I challenge each one of you today to examine your heart. Examine your level of love for the Lord. And as we examine ourselves and as we fill out our council cards, Let's be honest. 
with ourselves. And let's recognize that the Lord is asking each of us for that commitment that He asked Peter for. Do you truly love me more than these? And may our answer be yes, Lord. We truly love you more than these. And if we do, it will show in our lives as we serve him. So as far as our as the council meeting, we had announced, I believe, that uh, we'll be we're using council cards. Those cards are in your mailboxes. There should be one for each member in each household, for everyone who is a member. If you were missed or lose yours or anything, talk to someone in the ministry. There's also the internet accountability forms in your mailbox as well this morning. Please fill them out, return them along with your cards. And please have your cards back by next Sunday, if at all possible. Um, we have revival meetings this week, so y'all, we're just going to be together a lot, so there's no excuse for forgetting your cards. Uh, get them to us. Also, as uh, we typically do, we ask you all as members for your counsel, and we have typically, as a ministerial team, given you all our verbal counsel on where we stand so that we're being accountable to you all. So I'd like to do that this morning. I'll go ahead and start, and then uh, Wesley and Kevin and Philip, I'll just ask you all in that order to uh, give yours. So I would like to express peace with God and peace with my fellow Christians.